This is Ebody and X, and welcome to the Candid Frame. You can now download the latest episode of the Candid Frame directly to your smartphone or tablet using the Candid Frame app. Available for Apple iOS, Android, and Windows 8, you can automatically receive and listen to the latest episode minutes after it's released. Mark and download your favorites or send your comments and suggestions directly to me via the app. Download it today using your favorite app store or click on the links in the show notes found at the Candid Frame website. This episode of the Candid Frame is brought to you by Squarespace, the all-in-one platform that makes it fast and easy to create your own professional website or online portfolio. For a free trial and 10% off, go to squarespace.com and use the offer code CANDIDFRAME. We also have the support of lynda.com, who with over 2,000 high-quality and engaging videos, provides a wide breadth of courses from beginner to advanced. Lynda.com is there to help you learn creative, software, and business skills to achieve your personal and professional goals. To take advantage of their seven-day free trial, visit lynda.com forward slash the candid frame. That's L-Y-N-D-A forward slash the candid frame. Over the past several weeks, the work of today's guest has received much attention, not all of it positive. Though many of the images he's made of his daughter during a road trip together capture the little girl being just that, it's the images that some have deemed inappropriate or even pornographic that have caused a stir in and out of the photographic community. Wyatt Newman was kind enough to accept my request to appear as a guest on TCF to discuss the work and the controversy around it. Please note that there will be direct references to some of the messages he received about the work, which contain strong language. We began our conversation by talking about the road trip he and his daughter took, which resulted in these photographs. Every year I take a trip, usually, well, not usually, almost uh, exclusively by myself, usually on my motorcycle. Um, and I travel somewhere across the country, either from New York or I, I go out west and uh, and I travel around, I sort of take a, it's sort of my vacation and I take this time to, to, you know, cruise around, shoot photographs. Um, and I catalog, uh, and I've been doing this for probably 12 years. I call it notes from the road and it's sort of a little, you know, it's, 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 it's to, to quote Zen and the art of motorcycle maintenance. It's a, it's a bit of a Chautauqua for me that we're just time away, but I also use it as a, as an opportunity to shoot. And this year, um, I was out in Zion for, uh, my mother's birthday with, with my family and, uh, we bought a car out West and I was going to drive it back. That was sort of the plan. We'd all fly out and then I would drive back. And my wife suggested that I take Stella because my son Dakota had school. My daughter didn't. And, um, it was funny as we got closer to the, to the trip, my wife was like, she was like, well, you don't have to take Stella. <laughs> she got, she started worrying that she was going to miss her too much. And I said, no way, you know, I've got this plan and, and me and my little girl are going to go. Um, you know, and I do travel alone with my kids and I always get strange looks. I think it's something people aren't used to seeing. Um, it, it strikes people as odd to see a, a, a father with young children by themselves. But yeah, so, so we, we left Zion in April. Uh, we had really no agenda, uh, no, no, uh, route, no schedule, no timeline. 
we didn't have to be back for anything in particular. So <clears throat> we kind of had the opportunity to just sort of take our time and, and explore our way across the country. And that was it. I kind of took her through some of the places that I grew up and some of the places that I love. And, and it was just sort of a father daughter thing. It was great. So the pictures that you make, you've been photographing her obviously since she was born. Uh, but as you envisioned the photographs as you started making them, were did you see these images as sort of strictly personal, or had, or had you already envisioned that you know you wanted to you know share this work and make this a, a body of work? Well, that's a good question. It's it's funny because I you know I've gotten a lot of attention from this as you pointed out, and with that come a lot of new followers, a lot of new Facebook friend requests, and and people that want to kind of. Uh, kind of involve themselves in, in, in watching, you know, how this, you know, the, the, my photography develops and, and watching my kids grow up. And I think that that's something that is, is relatively common on the internet now and it doesn't bother me, but really the point of why I do these photographs, um, and, and I post a lot, I mean, I'll post five or 10 pictures in a day. Sometimes it's be, it's really for me, it's, and I've said this for years. Um, it's a journal of my children's lives. And it's not just that. I mean, my own photography is in there as well. It's a, it's a journey, uh, a journal of my own life as well. But, but um, if something happens that's important or funny or interesting or something that I want to sort of hold on to, I'll post it. And I always write these sort of interesting descriptive captions to make sure to contextualize the moment and give it some sort of meaning. And, and, and part of that comes from my own father passing when I was very young and my relationship with him as I grew older existed primarily through the artifacts of his own life that my mother had kept, books, journals, college notebooks, and photographs. And those things are very sacred to me. And that was, that, and it still is, you know, a real way, a tangible way for me to connect with his life. And so for me, cataloging all of these moments for my children allows them, would allow them the opportunity to, whether, whether I am around or not, to go back and, and relive their childhoods almost day to day mm. um, and, and have this amazing dedicated journal, uh, like I said, uh, of their experiences. And I, and I push all the stuff to a, to a Tumblr site. So it's kind of archived on a website and that's why I do it. I mean, I, I never did it for, I don't do it for other people. I don't do it to show off my children. I don't do it to boast about my experiences or to sort of, I mean, the audience is, is to me very secondary. Um, of course, it's great to have people that engage but that's certainly not was was never the was never the point, and certainly having a show about this stuff was never the point. That that only came because of the controversy. Yeah, and the controversy revolved primarily about the images of of your daughter nude right. or partially closed, or or in poses that people felt were were a bit sexualized from their perception. So, can, can you right. talk about you know those images and how you perceived them when you were making them and chose to to share them on on the Tumblr site? Absolutely. I, I so to me those moments uh and and to sort of clarify quickly, yes, the photographs that I take of my children are are absolutely the moments that they're that they are existing in at that time. It's it's, it's exactly what's happening. And I, you know, if I have a camera or at least even my iPhone, I'll, I'll grab it and, and shoot it and, and, and document it really. That's my point. Some of the pictures that I take, um, and, and, and this is nothing new are pictures of them. You know, we don't, we don't instill upon them any kind of weird socialized puritanical morality or modesty or any of that stuff. So if, if my daughter and, and my son as well, they don't like, clothes sometimes they'll I mean my son 
Uh, I have this great picture of his first day of school last year. The first day of school when he was at orientation, he pulled his pants down, you know, and my wife took a photo of it and sent it to me because she thought it was so funny. And it is funny. It's, it's my children being children and it's them expressing themselves. And one of the things, and I've said this in some other interviews that I've done is, you know, my children have a whole life of body shame issues ahead of them. They have a whole lifetime of, you know, advertisers and media and other kids and, and social peers saying, you know, you're fat, you're ugly, you're, you know, you're overweight. You don't, you know, you need to wear these clothes. You need to look like this. You know, as my daughter gets to be, you know, when she gets into being in her teenage years, she's going to be inundated with body shame, uh, socialized, institutionalized body shame issues. And so for me, it, it, it seems like it not only disservice, but it almost seems rude to try to tell my daughter at two years old that she needs to put her shirt on because that's not, that's unclean or unholy or unsafe or, or immoral. Or, I mean, I can't, how do I explain that to a two-year-old? I don't. So I let my children live their life and their experiences exactly as they live them. Um, I don't interfere in that. And I celebrate it actually. I mean, I, I think that, you know, they're, I'm trying to raise them to be proud of the skin that they're in, you know, and to not feel like it's, there's anything wrong with it. So the photographs that I take sometimes, you know, are just a natural moment. And, and some people felt like, uh, like those images were, I mean, to, to use their words, they, they thought they were pornographic. I mean, they thought that they, they saw that as pornography where I I couldn't see it any differently. I mean, it, it couldn't be more different to me. Yeah. Well, like you said, this is kind of work that's been done before. I mean, Sally Mann, um, mm-hmm. Jock Sturgis are all famous for, for, for the work that they've done of, of children uh, mm-hmm. and, and nudes. But I think the I think what makes sort of brings this up to the fore is this idea of sharing it, you know, uh, using these sort of public forums like the the, the blog as as you mentioned. Right. And I, I think one of the one of the issues seems to be that. Yeah, they, some people may not have an issue with you sort of making those photographs, but it's the public sharing of them that, you know, throws up the red flag. They feel like, sure. yeah, while you while you certainly can make those photographs, it's the should you just because you can share them publicly, it doesn't mean that you should be doing that. So right. I think that's that's uh, sort of the crux of some of the arguments that I've seen there. What's what's your response to that? Well, sure, and I think you know that's definitely been. Uh, a conversation that I've, I've engaged in and I've read a lot of things like that. I, I think that a couple things, first of all, we have to, as, you know, as grown up adult people. And, 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 and again, I'm a photographer. I, I, I take photographs professionally. I'm also a director. So my photo, my photography is not, I mean, I, you know, I see it as a little, a little bit better than your average snapshot. So there is something to me expressing myself as a photographer and some of these images carry a little bit more weight than just a, a silly snapshot of my kids. However, we have to acknowledge that we're living and moving into the future every day. You know, a lot of these comments that people have are, you know, how would you feel if there was internet pictures like that of you on the internet? Well, the internet didn't exist back then. So if, if you were the one kid in the, in the class that had photographs of you, you know, running around on a stream with your little bottom showing, Yes, you would probably be embarrassed because that would be a real exposition of something that you that you would be it would make you and your experience unique. We have to recognize the internet is here. We have to recognize that social media is not going anywhere. These things are that are here to stay and this is not going to be a foreign element in the future. This is going to be the norm. And so a lot of that projection that I get from people, you know, I would have died if if this had happened to me as a kid. Well, yeah, you, of course you would have because you would have been unique in that experience. But it's not going to be unique in the future. And we have to be 
smart, grown-up, intellectual people and say, this is part of the future. We have to embrace the future and not run from it. And, and that's the thing. And the problem for me is, the second thing about my response to that is, the, the, the argument has been, you put this stuff online where pedophiles can get it. You put this stuff online where anybody, anybody with ill intent can look at it. Well, that's, maybe, that's, maybe that's true, but I can't control that. And part of, and part of what we are escaping as a nation and as a, as, a, as a group of free thinkers or what we should be free thinkers is that we control that experience for ourselves. And we, we can either choose to, to push forward and lead with like a, a, an idea of innocence and love and acceptance and, and, and celebration of the human existence of the human experience – or we can operate from a place of fear, cataloging everything through that filter of the lowest common denominator, i.e., I can't do this because somebody out there might be doing something bad. I can't be free and I can't be expressive because there might be some, some weirdo out there. And I think that that, as a cultural issue, is on the rise. And that's part of why I've sort of pushed back on this thing because I'm not, I, can't, I, can't, I can't walk around worrying about terrorists I can't walk around worrying about pedophiles. I can't walk around worrying about, you know, these, you know, <laughs> I was driving through New Jersey the other day and there was a billboard of a, of a, of a wanted sign of a, um, for a robbery and it was a black guy. You never see those with white criminals. You know what I mean? It's just this, this projection of fear, this boogeyman, this lock your doors and, and, and hide your children. The government's here to help you. Well, they're not. And so we as a society have to say, this is okay. I'm not going to be afraid of this. And I'm going to take my chances and, and I'm going to try to project an idea of good and purity and innocence and try to remind everybody that we shouldn't be running away in fear, that we can all push forward. I mean, the, the, the majority of people in this planet are good and we have to be on that team, not suspicious and, and you know, have our guard up and, and reject other people and their ideas because of, because of fear. So I refuse to do that and I don't want to do that. So I, you know, yes, is my private life public? Sure it is. I, you know, when it comes to my privacy online, I care about that. Um, when it comes to, uh, you know, my personal, you know, credit card information, I worry about that. But I think that I'm celebrating something pure and good. And I think that more people should be proud of who we are and and look towards the positives, not the negatives. Yeah, I think that it, it, one of the reasons it taps into such a raw nerve is that uh, people feel like they have to be, protective uh of their of their children and i think mm -hmm. to some extent there's a uh, a hyper protectiveness in this society because we feel like children are constantly threatened not just by strangers but by you know by so many so many different things mm -hmm. and it's often used as sort of a, a false pretense for so many things but but nevertheless i think that's that's a, a big issue and while i understand your your statement about that how you know how, how was that that belief that that you just said fly with you know other family members like your wife or, or grandparents or you know other people who mm -hmm. who have those childrens in their lives personally and they're not just an object of of art when this thing first happened, my wife she was very upset obviously when when she started reading the comments and, and she saw what people were saying um she is very private she does I, you, you'll you'll notice if you go to my instagram uh, Wyatt Newman at Wyatt Newman or whatever, you'll see that, uh, that there aren't many pictures of my wife. She doesn't like to be photographed. She's very beautiful, but she just doesn't like, she doesn't want it. And so she makes that, that choice clear. And I respect that. My children love being in front of the camera. They love seeing that stuff. However, when this happened, my wife got upset saying, you know, see, I told you we shouldn't be putting these pictures out there. 
And I said, this is what I do. This is my, you know, and again, this, this, it strikes something very deep for me. You know, as I mentioned earlier about my father, it's important to me to do this for my children. But once she saw what I did with this project and how I sort of took this and, and flipped it into a positive and I, I pushed back and I made these statements and I, and I've been in the media and I've been sort of defending my position. Once she saw that she's, she was very, very, very proud of the work that I've done. And she, um, she's told me and many people that she completely 100% supports me. And from other family members, I, you know, again, it's a personal choice. Some people say they wouldn't do it. I respect that. Um, I do. And, and, and I think most people now, uh, if they didn't before, uh, they see the point that I'm making and, and, and they see the positivity in it and they are supporters. I mean, I get a lot of emails from family. I just got an email last night from a family member in, uh, of hers in Albuquerque telling me that they're a hundred percent behind what I'm doing and they believe in it. And now I'd like to take the time to thank our sponsors. What does your favorite website look like when you visit it on your smartphone or tablet? Are they difficult to navigate? Are the fonts too small? Does it look like a hot mess compared to what it looks like on a computer? Well, you won't have that problem with a Squarespace site because their templates are optimized to look good on any device, big or small. Just visit the candorframe.com website and you'll see why I made the switch. I'm pleased with the results and I'm sure you will be as well. Find out for yourself by taking advantage of their 14-day free trial. You don't need a credit card, just create an account and go for it. When you decide to sign up for Squarespace, make sure to use the offer code CANDIDFRAME to get 10% off and to show your support for the show. Squarespace, everything you need to create an exceptional website. So when did you first get an inkling um, that this was going to turn into something bigger than just a few negative comments on on your site? Well, I, you know, I didn't have any idea that this was going to be as big as it's become. Um, I, I, I did. I mean, quite honestly, I was on a motorcycle trip. I went to shoot the uh, I went to the Crow Nation um, Indian Nation in Montana and was doing a, some shooting there. Uh, and then I was on my motorcycle and I started getting these email alerts of all the press that the, sort of the story got picked up. You know, the, the whole point for me was to, I mean, the whole point of the show was, was I got all these negative comments. This group started flagging all my photographs. My Instagram got shut down. My Facebook got deactivated. Um, I, I luckily, and, and I am very rare in this, in this uh, example, uh, I'm a rare example of somebody who got their, their Facebook and Instagram turned back on, which many, many people who've been censored in the same way have not gotten theirs turned back on. I got mine turned back on and I got back to New York and I was talking to somebody and I was showing him some of these comments and he was like, that's a show, man. That's a thing. This is, this is a thing. This is an issue, you know, cause I was talking about how this happens to all these people and this, these groups come on this moral authority and they, they try to stop people from the thing. And they, you know, this, this consensus that it's bad. And he was like, this is, a, this is an important topic. And I started thinking about it and I, and I went and I pulled all these quotes and I, and I put it all together to make this, to, to create a dialogue about here's these people saying you're a sick, you know, I don't know if I can use the language that they use. Can I, can I speak? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. People are like, you know, you're a disgusting father. You're a sick fuck. You know, the, 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 the title of the show itself comes from a quote that somebody wrote about me 
saying that uh, people that abuse their children and, s- and sell them into sexual slavery and beat them within an inch of their life, uh, you, they, they said, you must feel, you, you see yourself as different than them, but I don't. And this was from a social worker, but I don't. Uh, and I feel sorry for your children. And that's the title of the show. Um, but taking these comments and these quotes and putting them up on the wall, right? Because these people wrote this stuff to me. So I exposed it. I mean, anonymously, of course, but, but I exposed it. So, you know, you're a sick fuck. And then next to it, the photograph that they're talking about. And so you look at this photograph of my daughter jumping on the bed in Kansas, naked, just being a little kid, having a great time while I'm on the computer working. And, I, and, and there's my caption saying, when daddy's got to work, what, what's a little girl supposed to do? Get nudie and jump on the bed, of course. You know, very cute, very simple and innocent. There's, there's my work right next to what those people say. And so I wanted to start a dialogue. I wanted people to say, which side of the story am I going to, do I, do I want to, am I compelled to sort of support? Do I support the idea of this image and this, this father taking this photograph? Or am I on this side with this vitriolic, you know, profane language that, that vilifies this person from afar? Which side of the story do I want to, do I want to align myself with? And by forcing people to make that decision or that distinction, I feel like it, it helped to, I mean, the, the, the response has been overwhelmingly positive is to, is to give people a, a toehold or a footing in a, and take a position. I think this is good. I think that's bad. And I don't want to be a part of that. And so it gives people a reasoning and a, and a sort of subjective position. And I think that that's what, what needs to happen. I mean, I think that society as a whole has to move more towards the good and away from the bad. And, and I think that that story really resonated with people and it just kind of really took off. I mean, a lot of the press and a lot of interviews I'm doing are from overseas where people are trying to understand why America allows nine-year-old girls to shoot Uzis uh, at a shooting range but can't uh, post a picture of a two-year-old literally just running around without her shirt on. It's an interesting conversation and it's, it's, it's something that's that, – that puritanical conservatism has, has been growing quietly for years and this has sort of brought it to a head. Well, I referred to Jock Sturgis earlier and about 20, 25 years ago now, I think, uh, um, you know, he was uh, threatened with arrest. His, his, you know, all of his archive was uh, confiscated by the authorities. Charges were brought to him uh, against him. Uh, have you at any point uh, uh, since this began been subject to any sort of confrontation with, with, with authorities, police or otherwise about the, the material being distributed or is that something that's sort of not uh, impacted you today? Well, I, uh, only two, uh, two things have happened so far. I was contacted by a detective um, who obviously it wasn't really an investigation because they just emailed me, but um, they wanted to kind of ask me a couple questions and I had a, a pretty, uh, you know, civil conversation with this woman. Um, and I think that I quelled that, that interest on her part. Um, and then another person reported me to New York's department of child and family services. Um, but that has not yielded any investigation as of yet. Um, but it's definitely something that I've been, that was the biggest thing that, that got me upset. And the biggest thing that made me worried was that, I mean, that was where it really got personal for me was when I I started to realize that by trying to incite a dialogue and trying to incite a conversation about goodness, about innocence and about being able to live freely and and, and not be ashamed of your body and not be ashamed of of your expression suddenly became very real. And I was like, you know, I could, you know, because when when child family services gets involved, you know, 
They take your children and they strip them down naked. And they look for signs of abuse. They ask them if their parents have hurt them or molested them. I mean, it's a very traumatic experience for a family to go through. And it's very intense. Like they go through your computer, they go through your everything. It's not like you're a robbery suspect and they say, you know, where were you on the night of the 23rd? It's like they come into your home and they up, they upend everything. And that's been something that's, I mean, I'm still, I'm still, you know, it's still on my mind. It still could happen. Um, I'm, I have nothing to hide obviously, but you know, it's, it's a very real possibility, uh, for me. Um, but it's, it's sort of the risk I take. I mean, it's funny cause a lot of people say, in the emails that I get, I mean, it's funny because the comments I get online are all anonymous, but I've gotten hundreds of letters from around the world from people who, with their real names, who've taken the time to actually write me a letter in support of what I'm doing. But yeah, it's, it's something that, it's something that, 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 uh, that could happen to me, you know? And, and, oh, I was going to say people have, have said that I'm, you know, you're, I, I admire your bravery. And I, every time I, when I first read that, the first 50 times someone said that about me, I was like, well, this is not really brave. I'm just, you know, I'm just standing my ground. I'm just telling people what I think. I'm just being honest. I'm just being myself. Um, this isn't brave. And then when I realized what I stood to possibly lose or what I'm up against, it did feel like I was like, I get it now that that's, this is the bravery that I have to continue as this thing intensifies. As, as the exhibit went up and you started getting more attention, did you start getting uh, a, a sort of an, another wave of, of negative responses from people who felt like, oh, you're exploiting, uh, exploiting this. You're, you're being opportunistic with your own children. Very, very much so. I, I, um, once the exhibit went up, uh, I also, at the very last minute, and, and I mean la- like, 48 hours before the show opened, I decided to do a book, um, to, cause, cause I, the, the show itself didn't have everything in it. It couldn't. <clears throat> so I did a book with all the quotes and all the photos from the trip, just as sort of like a takeaway from the show, like a little, uh, something, if somebody didn't want to buy a print and, and for the record, before I answer that, I never intended to sell anything at that show. I, I never thought for a second that people would, would buy a photograph of my daughter walking around a junkyard. It just doesn't to me, it didn't, it didn't to me feel like something that was, was something to sell. And, and I said very clearly, I'm doing this show. I'm spending a lot of fucking money. I mean, I spent a lot of money to do this show. It was a great personal expense for me. And I did it really for the sociopolitical position that I wanted to take. And I wanted to create the art piece is about the context. It was never about the work individually, but I made, I printed the photos big. I went to the best printer in New York city. I went to the best framer out in the Hamptons. I mean, they're, they're real pieces of art now, but I never really thought that anybody would necessarily want it hanging in their wall. But after the show went up, yeah, I mean the, the same group that attacked me, there was vicious comments about me opportunizing this and me trying to, you know, make money off of it. Um, which in every way was never my intention. And, and, and to be completely transparent, I have not made my money back from this show. Um, and, and I never, and and the funny thing is, is that the conversations that are happening online and the, and the, the, uh, the attention that I'm getting is not so much necessarily about my photography, although it does get praise. It's about my political sort of sociopolitical position here and what I've, what I've done as, as an artist and as a, as a father, it's not so much a critique of my work. So, um, I don't know necessarily that this is going to advance my career as a photographer. It may, it may not. Um, but it certainly has made people think. And to me, that makes it a success totally absent from any, you know, profit interests, exposure interests. Well, let's talk about that because these, these pictures, like they're beautiful photographs. Um, thank you. And, and there's, they're, and I think that's one of the things that makes the conversation sort of 
interesting because I think, you know, when people, if someone came up to me and said, you know, oh, I love this picture of your daughter. Uh, can you make me a, a picture, uh, you know, print of it? I'd be like, well, why do you want, why do you want a picture of my daughter? I think that's the way most, most people would react. Mm-hmm. But I think that, that the quality of your work elevates it beyond that being sort of a, a snapshot. And so right. there's this beautiful aesthetic that goes along with it. But I think that uh, for many people, they're not able sort of to bridge the gap between how they view a personal snapshot of a child, uh, especially their own child, uh, to mm-hmm. that of a piece of art that's based on that same that same child. And I think that's, that's a, a part of the issue there. Not entirely, but I think it's, mm-hmm. it's part of the conversation. I mean, I think, you know, I think there's an interesting point to be made there. You know, um, God, I'm going to space this out. I love this photographer and I have her book. You know the picture of the, um, the family in like, oh, Jesus, like in wherever, somewhere in the Midwest – they're, they live in their car and it's the, the father's got a beard and he's got his wife and their two kids and it's black and white and they're sitting in their car. Mary Ellen Mark, yeah. It, it's a beautiful photograph, right? Yeah. These are people that I don't know. They're people that I don't know their whole story, their whole experience, and it's very intimate. They're, and it's also very uh, vulnerable. You know, they're homeless. They're, they're at the bottom of the barrel. They are completely exposed for all of their faults. And, 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 but the, the photograph resonates with love and the beauty of the family unit. And they are against all odds together embraced in, in, in each other's arms. It's beautiful, but I don't know them. I would, pr- I would hang that on my wall, you know? And so I think some of the photographs that I shoot and, and I appreciate, you know, y- y- your kind words about my work. I, and I do think that my photographs capture an innocence and a beauty of childhood that transcends just being a snapshot of my children. And if that work to somebody sort of in- captures that, that, that emotion of something about innocence lost or, or the beauty of childhood or whatever that thing is, um, I'm, I'm completely satisfied and happy to have that on, on hanging on someone's wall. People are, have bought the work. Uh, there are people that have bought work of my daughter. Um, you know, some pieces did sell. I mean, certainly the books have sold and, and there's, you know, it's a book full of pictures of my children and it's on, you know, people's coffee tables across the country and around the world. Um, so I think if it strikes something, I mean, that's what art, art is subjective, right? I mean, it's, it's, it's up to the viewer to decide whether or not there's something there that, that makes them feel something. And if this does that for someone, I'm totally happy to share that with them. I don't, I don't, um, I don't feel like it's exploitative. I feel like, uh, I feel like my children are, are happy to be a part of it, but I mean, well, you know, Sally Mann was very, uh, you know, blessed with, um, kind of raising her children with uh, the objectivity um, of an understanding of her work that when they were interviewed years later, they all felt totally proud of the work that they had done. And I, and I, I feel like, and I hope that my children will feel the same. One of the reasons I enjoy the courses offered at lynda.com is not only the diversity of videos they offer on photography and software, but the great instructors that they have sharing their knowledge and experience. One of them is David Hobby, otherwise known as The Strobist, who has created a wonderful series on travel photography for the site. His latest video on travel photography in Dubai is another great example of the kind of stellar content you'll find only at lynda.com. It's not only gear how-tos, but a practical knowledge that can help you improve your photography. 
You can experience this for yourself and watch over 2,000 quality videos for free for a limited time. I worked out a special deal with lynda.com to provide you with unlimited access to the entire library for free for seven days. Visit lynda.com forward slash the candid frame to use it for a week. That's lynda.com forward slash the candid frame to start your seven day free trial and help support the show. Well, uh, how do you how do you explain all this that's been happening to your your kids because they can't have a real comprehensive understanding no. of all that's happening. So, but how have you um, explained what's what's happening and how, and why people are reacting to these photographs to your children? Well, my children came to the show opening. Um, they uh, I'd set up a kind of <laughs> it was pretty funny actually. I set up a play area for the kids, like a little I, in one of the area uh, the area right by the front window. In some of the pictures that you've seen from the press, you can see it. Um, there is a uh, like, there's like a sand. I made a little beach basically with beach toys, and so there's a bunch of people brought their kids, and there was a bunch of kids playing. But my daughter walked around with me, and my son walked around, and we saw they saw all the photographs, and they were like, "That's me, that's me," and they you know they thought it was cool. Um, but they're also two and five, or she, my daughter just turned three, but they're they're young. You know, mm-hmm. they think it's neat because it's just a picture of them. They don't they don't understand the context. You know that conversation that I'm going to have with them someday about what happened with this this show and 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 how this stuff was exposed. Um, that's going to be you know something as they develop and grow. I'm gonna ha- I'm gonna be talking. I mean, this isn't another thing. This isn't going to stop. I mean, I'm still going to be shooting them through their through their lives. And so as they start to express themselves and have more of an adult dialogue with me about it. I'm going to cross that road when I get there, cross that bridge when I get there. It, it's impossible for me to, to know just yet, but, but, um, but they know I take, I mean, I take photographs all the time. They're super used to it. I've been shooting them since they were babies. They totally get that. That's what I do. Um, they play with my cameras. They shoot their own photographs. They, they, they're being raised in the household of a photographer. So that's part of the, part of the deal. You know, you're, you've been, uh, the subject of a lot of sort of vitriol in, in the comments and just mm-hmm. so many things. And I, I can't help but feel like that must give rise to a lot of, a lot of emotions on your part. Uh, mm-hmm. You know, anger being, being probably the, one of the first ones, but do you have moments where you feel like doubts or insecurities about what you're, what you're doing? Cause you sound very confident in terms of explaining, you know, what you're doing and why you're doing. But when, when you're subject to that kind of bombardment, I can't help but feel that sometimes it must leave you very vulnerable in terms of your own, your own feelings and your own, not only uh, in reaction to that, but, but, but in terms of how you see yourself in your own work. That's a great question. Um, and that's also a great point. Um, I am, uh, I am as insecure of a person as anyone is, you know, and I'm constantly questioning my work as most, you know, artists, although I hate calling myself that as most, as most people who create anything that's unique to themselves, I'm my biggest critic. Right. So I'm always thinking about, am I, is this good? Uh, Am I wasting my time? (laughs) Is this composition right? Am I, am I making good work? Am I doing good things here? Um, so there's there, that exists for me anyway. Um, I've had very, very strong and very personal moments of self-doubt through this process. Um, really upset moments, really, I've been scared. This whole thing has made me very nervous. Um, I've also wondered, uh, I've also wondered 
certainly if I'm doing the right thing, are my children going to be upset with me someday? Am I crossing a line? Am I, <clears throat> am I subjecting my children to potential harm? I mean, uh, do I have to, you know, I mean, to, to be completely honest with you, I told my wife, um, and this sounds, this sounds horrible to admit this, but it's, you know, it's the truth. I've said, you know, we, we have to be really careful and keep our eyes on our, our kids for a while. Uh, you know, don't let them wander out of your sight because, you know, we could have attracted some negative attention and that we could be, uh, the subjects of some scrutiny by unsavory types. And so we have to be careful and, and, and to, to acknowledge that something that you've done could possibly put your family in danger is terrifying. Um, but it's like that moment where you have to say, fuck everyone. I'm going to be brave and I'm going to push this forward and I'm going to just be more, I'm going to be more cautious and I'm going to be more aware and I'm just going to work harder to be better. And, and I'm not going to back down from the fight because, because I'm afraid of something. But, um, but yeah, I've been, I've been riddled with self-doubt through this whole thing. But the one, the one thing that's kept me going aside from obviously the support of my wife, which is paramount because without her, I really would be out there alone. Um, so the support of my wife and also I believe very strongly in the message. I believe very, very, very strongly that we have to stand behind what's good in the world and defend it and not run away and hide because of a few bad apples. And so, um, I sort of just blindly push forward and, and, and also, uh, been very lucky to get a lot of great, like I said, letters from people and the press that I've received has all been very positive. So I feel like I'm doing something right. Um, and so absent those moments of, of self-doubt, um, I just sort of keep putting one foot in front of the other. Yeah, I, I think that to some people they hear that the, you know that the reality of the fact that that your family may be made a little more vulnerable from the work, you know, by by these outside forces, really kind of speaks to the idea of that's why you don't do it, you know, because yeah. as, because as a parent you're ultimately supposed to be responsible, especially as a father responsible for your family for your kids and not put them in a situation where where they can they, they can fall victim to that and by choosing to put this work out there uh you're going against that and but that's but see that's that's sorry to jump in that's the thing though that's the thing throughout history especially in this country the people that go out and stand their ground and the people that go out and fight for liberty and the people that go out and fight i mean like i, I certainly i'm not trying to draw a parallel between myself and this person but Martin Luther King was shot and killed for standing up for what he believed in. There is inherent danger in going against the status quo and going against the institution uh, and the thought police that want to silence you and want to shut you up and want to, to, to craft you in their image, whether it's Christian religious fundamentalism, whether it's political, um, you know, the powers that, that want to control and, and, and construct a reality where they, they own what you do. Whenever you stand up against those things, you're always putting yourself in danger. And I feel like the risk is worth the reward. And I think that my family will support that because maybe my children are being, maybe they're being, I mean, I have not seen any evidence of this whatsoever, but maybe my children are subject of some weirdos fantasy and they're maybe a little bit more subject to some danger. But I'm not just thinking about my family. I'm thinking about all families and I'm thinking about us as a nation and as people wanting to be not because if you notice every year, little bits of our liberty keep getting taken away. This thing was just, I mean, I, I'm very political about a lot of things. This just happened to strike hit home. And so I did something about it. 
but it's the perfect marriage between my 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 life as a father and my my position as a political thinker and those two things converge for me and i did this is just happens to me my 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 way to sort of discuss these things from a personal place but i'm hoping that this dialogue is going to make other people say yeah you know that is bullshit we should be able to to be you know to be able to express ourselves that way i shouldn't have to feel scared i shouldn't have to you know believe that people are are bad inherently and and this whole like if you see something say something culture of you know not trusting our neighbor like let's get back to trusting people let's get back to loving each other and i and i think that that message from this is is important enough to hey there's a little risk you know i'm going to be extra careful i'm going to be extra protective i'm going to be extra aware but that's the work i'm willing to do to get this message out well, with the exhibit and and people having the opportunity to see the work, what was what was that like? Not just for you, for but for your family to see people looking at the images and reacting to not only the photographs but the comments being made. Well, one of the one of the kind of coolest things about the show, both the opening and as the show um, went on, was, and I was a little surprised by this. Although this is exactly what I was sort of hoping for. A lot of people came with their kids. A lot of people brought their families. I, I had, I missed this, but, but the, the, the day after the opening, a woman came in with two of her te- like preteen daughters. The gallerist said they were, she said they were like maybe 11 and 13. And the mother came in and told KP, uh, the gallerist, she said to her, you know, don't say anything. Don't, don't, don't tell them what the show's about. And she let the kids just go through the space and just experience it all without any context. And then talk to them about it. So it's been this, it's been this kind of interesting educational piece where, I mean, I've had social sociologists, um, contact me that I've, I've been written up in, th- in, in, in articles well outside of the art realm. Um, and so that to me, that, that experience that people had bringing their families to this and, and sort of showing children that are impressionable minds, uh, the position and, 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 and letting them have that experience has been really powerful to watch for me. And I think that's one of the most interesting things that I've, that's come of it for me. So, so what's next for the, uh, the work you've mentioned the, the book, but is, is likely. Well, I actually, when I get done with this, I'm going to go downtown uh, and meet with uh, the gallery owner. She's um, she represents uh, me in, in, in certain elements of the work that I do. And so certainly she, she represents this project and um, she's been getting a lot of, uh, a lot of interest from people across the country and, 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 uh, and outside the country to do the show in other cities. So I think that we're going to talk about, um, taking the show on the road and, and bringing it to places where, you know, New York is obviously a, a bastion of, of, you know, the, the most liberal city in America, maybe next to San Francisco. Although, um, I think we take the cake. <laughs> um, but, uh, but it was, it's an easy show to do here. You know what I mean? It, the, the, the most people, I only had, I only had one experience of somebody who was, who was against the work who was at the show, but we want to take it to, sh- she's trying to get a show. Uh, she got a call from somebody in Dallas who wants to do it there. Um, she wants to do it in Chicago. Um, and obviously Los Angeles has made some requests. So we want to take this and put it in front of people who don't automatically feel aligned with the more liberal perspective. I, I want to put this in front of people that, that wouldn't sort of naturally take a more conservative approach based on social mores or, or, or sort of uh, social influence um, in their communities and see once I, pr- once I present them with this two-sided story, if it helps to change some of that thinking. And that's to me as a, as a sort of political social piece, uh, that's important to me and I'm excited uh, to try to do that. 
Well, my last question that I ask each guest is I ask them to recommend another photographer for our listeners to discover and explore. And it can be anyone, someone you've long admired or someone you've recently discovered. So who would that one photographer be and why? Um, the photographer that I am most interested in currently, and, and this is not anybody new, um, is uh, the person who I think does great work and, and someone who's compositions I admire and whose intense attention to composition and subject matter and telling a layered personal story that's personal for the viewer, maybe more so than anyone working right now is Gregory Crudson. Hmm. Um, I think he's, uh, he's a fantastic artist and, uh, the way that he lights and the way that he builds his, his shots, um, is really unique to him. And, um, and he's one of those people that he, he creates an image while very composed, intentionally composed, allows the viewer to see it and create a story from within their own experience. Um, they project a lot of their own feelings into the artwork. And I think that that's, I find that to be very powerful. And where can people go to find out more about you and your work? Um, well, my website, which needs, desperately needs updating, especially in light of all this stuff that's happened, uh, is wyattnewman.com. Uh, it's N-E-U-M-A-N-N. Um, also, um, you know, you could follow along at Wyatt Newman at Wyatt Newman on Instagram. Um, and, uh, and my blog that, uh, that I push all my stuff from Instagram too is called uh, moments like this never last.com. Well, Wyatt, thank you so much for, for a wonderful conversation. I so appreciate it. Thank you. It was really fun. Thanks for joining me for another episode of the show. Remember that my latest book, Portraits of Strangers, is available for purchase. And for loyal listeners of the show, you can enjoy 30% off the ebook or any other book or DVD that I've produced, including my first book, Chasing the Light, Improving Your Photography Using Available Light. Click on the link on the show notes and use the promo code PORELLO, that's P as in Paul, E-R-E-L-L-O, to receive your discount. The Candid Frame is brought to you by the generous contributions of listeners just like you, as well as the work of our audio engineer, Martin Taylor, who you can find at theothermartintaylor.com. And our music is from Kevin McLeod, whose royalty-free music can be found at incompetech.com. And this is Ibarian X, and this is The Candid Frame.